so yeah it's it's one of those situations where organizations find themselves in a really bad position and the bad guy has all of the power whereas if they spent a little bit of time up front you know working on these things we talked about like visibility and planning and that sort of stuff and decision making up front they might not have that bad day to start with um, or if they do have that bad day the recovery might be a little bit easier hi i'm marianne Bohr with hens today i'm joined by alex tilly head of intelligence australia pacific at secureworks and today we'll be talking about business preparedness for ransomware what you can do to help your organization and before we start I would like to say thank you to SecureWorks for sponsoring this podcast. Alex, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Could you please tell us a little bit about what you do and what your background is and what you research? Yeah. Um, my background, um, I started out in banking and online casinos, and then I spent the best part of a decade in federal law enforcement doing cybercrime as a tech. Um, and I initially started with SecureWorks um, he heading up the e-crime intelligence sort of uh, portfolio. And now because I sort of do Australia Pacific in general, I do e-crime as well as state-sponsored stuff, as well as any sorts of threats here. So I'm a bit of a, a jack of all trades, shall we say. Fantastic. And what do you research? Anything bad, <laughs> which is a, <laughs> the problem is that, that I've, I've been doing this for more than 20 years now. And all that I really know is the bad things on the internet and the bad things about how to steal money and stuff. So basically, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm immersed in negativity most of the day. <laughs> I can understand that. Uh, so why, well, could you tell us why is healthcare a target for cyber criminals today? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting one. Healthcare has been previously targeted by things like ransomware because it's quite high profile. But what we're seeing today, definitely in the, even in the last few weeks, is a real shift to that targeting of patient information. The criminals want to put pressure on an organization to pay, if that makes sense. And mm. what greater pressure is there than someone's personal health information? And saying, well, if you don't pay us, we're going to release this information to the internet. So I think it really is a case of certain criminals have figured out why there's a really, really good way to put pressure on these organizations to make them pay as fast as possible. I see. So um, I'm sure you can uh, tell us a little bit about what keeps healthcare security and IT staff up at night. <laughs> it's, 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 it's definitely that rush on the service desk in, in the morning. So when all your staff come into the, to, to the office and they sit down or, they, or the nurses sit down at their desks or wherever they may be, and all of a sudden they start calling the IT service desk saying, hey, my computer's acting weird, or hey, I've got this weird message on my machine. That is the start of a very, very bad period of time for that organization. So I think most people are terrified of that initial spike in calls, if you will and then having to figure out how they're going to react to that going forward. Well, I can sure understand that. So, Alex, let's talk ransomware preparedness. How can organizations think about their internal decision-making around ransomware preparedness? That's a really great question and a really big question. And I'm really, I'm sort of got little soapboxes about this. It's really genuinely about planning for it now. So having the discussions internally now, making the decisions about what you're going to do and how you're going to roll your incident response and your recovery, but doing that before the bad day happens, if that makes sense. I mm -hmm. think oftentimes people wait and say, oh, we'll just figure that out. We'll figure that out on the day. 
especially when there's, you know, a, a bad day happens, people all of a sudden have their hair on fire. Everyone's running around in circles, crashing into each other. No one's going anywhere. Everyone's blaming each other. It's a horrible situation. But if you've had these discussions internally and, and had these agreements internally now, before the bad day happens, it actually helps sort of pilot you through that terrible situation with full understanding, of course, as, as Mike Tyson said, that no plan survives the first punch to the head. But <laughs> at least you've got a plan. You know what I mean? At least you've got something to lean back on and say, okay, well, certain aspects of our business or our service provision that we do, we can start to recover. But you've got to do that before the bad day. You really don't want to wait until everyone's panicking. Right. That's so important because uh, after is not the time to plan, is it? No. Now, no. <laughs> now when we're thinking of ransomware preparedness, how should organizations set their lines of communication, whether that's internal or external communication? Yeah. So there's a couple of factors here at play. One is, and not pointing fingers at anyone at all, this is just <laughs> generic advice. One is you don't want to lie. You want to make sure that you are having clear communication with your stakeholders, if that's you know shareholders, if that's the market, if that's the public if, in healthcare. You definitely want to make sure that you're telling the truth and being upfront honest. And genuinely speaking, I, I, I always say that if you've got no update, saying that you've got no update is not a bad thing. You know, to, to say, listen, we're still looking into this. We don't know yet what's happened. We're going to get back to you with what's happened. That's a really key phrase because people don't understand that you're working the problem, right? I think a lot of times what we see is organizations saying, oh, we, we, we were hit by, you know, state-based super hackers. And then it turns out that they just had a boneheaded security configuration problem. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I think you, you don't want to come out straight away and say that, oh, our security is so good because it's so, so it must have been super hackers. Um, I think you want to keep things clear and concise. Definitely lines of communication is, is around internally having buy-in up to the board level, saying this is our plan. And we talked about this before, which is our, our, our pre-planning, right? And that is taking that to the board and saying, this is our plan. Do we have agreement that this is what we will do? Or at least this is what we will aspirationally try and do. Let's, you know, let's, let's, let's be honest here. Things change. Um, but <laughs> this is what we'll aspirationally try and do and get the board to say, yes, we rubber stamp that. That's what we'll do. And when the bad thing happens, we'll revisit it and see how we're tracking as far as our plan's concerned. But going as high as possible. Great. That makes a lot of sense. Now, um, I'm sure this varies, but what's a realistic timeline and what recovery can look like? Do companies usually think it'll be over quickly? And what would they need to know about that? Yeah, this so this is a great question. This is something that I, I have a lot of soapboxes, Marianne. <laughs> um, this is one of my big soapboxes is the information that people seem to, to, to track on is that if we pay, then we'll be back up and running tomorrow, right? That's what mm. people seem to think. And that's what the, the bad guy wants you to think. It couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously, everyone's situation will vary, but... If you've got a decent size enterprise, as most healthcare providers are, it will take you, you know, it, could, it could be weeks to get back online. You know, it could be months. And then you've got problems around what, you know, around data security. Like, is the data that we're restoring, do we know that's the right data? Because we've mm. just known that we've got a bad guy on our network for, you know, X number of weeks or months. How do we trust this patient data, for example? So I think there's really big questions around, trust in the data that we then recover, but also, yeah, that that that, that reality of this is not going to be solved in a, in a weekend. And even if you pay, it's still going to take a lot of time to solve it. So it's not a great situation for anyone, which, which is why it's such a popular crime type, right? Because it's a really horrible situation 
that organizations find themselves in, which is why I'm such an advocate for pre-planning and trying to avoid it happening at, at, at all costs. Absolutely. So like uh, prevention is much better than the cure on that. Yeah. So what mistakes do organizations usually make in thinking about ransomware? Well, definitely that it's going to be over quickly. And definitely mm-hmm. that it's, it's, it's that if we pay, we just, we're just going to be back on, online. It's going to be fine. And that's, I, I think that's unrealistic expectations, shall we say, because, you know, you've got in a decent size enterprise, which most, most healthcare providers are, you've got, you know, um, machines scattered all over the place and you've got maybe um, remote sites. How do you find that machine? How do you deploy a key to it? Everything's been locked up. It's that mis- misconception that, okay, well, all right. It's terrible if you know my, my, my service desk is melted down. I can't do patient care, shall we say. Okay, I was going to give them the million dollars and we'll be, and we'll be fine. That simply really isn't the case. You know, it, you will eventually recover, but it's not going to happen that day. It's going, to, it's going to take a fair bit of time, even if you pay. So that's why we sort of say, you know, well, one of my, my catchphrases is your business is your business, right? I'm not going to dictate to you how to run your business, right? But I, but I, I just genuinely want people to understand that, Paying doesn't make the pain go away straight away. That's so important to really drive home, I think. And so in the light of all this, what can businesses do to protect themselves? Well, it's, it's all about visibility, okay? So you need to understand what's coming and going from your network, what your machines are doing, what your staff are doing. It's to be able to spot this problem before it becomes a big deal is the kicker. The hard part about that is that with what we're, what we're dealing with today with ransomware as a service where there's multiple different attackers having different approaches and using different tool sets, et cetera, you know, attack tools, it's hard to, to profile and say, this is definitely going to be this ransomware attack, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What we see is, well, we've had a, a, a bit of malware here. We've had this web server get popped. We've had a, a credential here being misused. But knitting that together to say this looks like it's about to be a really bad ransomware attack that's the hard bit so i think at the at the very least knowing when these things are happening and having that initial okay i can see what's happening on my network i can see what's happening on my endpoints and i've got some intelligence to say that communication that's probably related to something that's being used for ransomware i think that's the kicker because nothing is uh, again this is showing my age <laughs> nothing is <laughs> nothing is perfectly secure you can't be perfectly secure right but all you can do is hope to have the right tooling and the right expertise to help you understand what you're seeing and or at least see something that's the first bit i think a, a lot of times people don't even have visibility so they can't tell when something's about to hit them in the face of course such a large threat surface the faster you can find something the better i'm sure Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the the other bit of it is that you need to empower someone to investigate it. I think in 2022, where we, at least where we're recording this, um, we find a lot of times analysts that we have, because resources are so scarce, there's a real drive towards just close the ticket and move on, close Mm. the ticket, move on. And I think we, in, in, in having that being our, our sort of major focus on just churning tickets, we don't tend to give our empower our people to do those, those investigations, even you know, scratch the surface a little bit. Not full on investigations, fair enough. That's not reasonable in every case, but we need to en- enable our analysts to have a little bit of a look to sort of see, hey, is there more to this? Maybe there's something more to this than just you know a, a, a basic infection. That definitely makes a lot of sense. So let's say the worst happens, and what do you tell organizations if they've been hit? Don't panic. We'll get through this. 
Um, it's 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 a case of where so as it, with with my history going through you know law enforcement and now through intelligence here, it's it's your worst day is my Tuesday, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. um, but you need to trust people to help you. You know, we, we will get through this. It's not going to be great, but we will get through this together. Work with us and 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 work with your people, and also. I could talk for hours about the interpersonal relationship problems that happen when you have a big incident like this. It's like you have different heads of department and different um, people inside an organization that start to fight. It gets quite brutal, to be honest with you, because mm -hmm. everyone's blaming everyone. Everyone needs to be back up and running first. And it's this whole big thing that's like, let's all work together. We can get through this. We'll just do it methodically, step by step, make your decisions, and then we'll, and then we'll move on. I think one big part of this is if you decide to pay or not and i personally recommend not paying that's that's just what i say because you know it doesn't really help a whole lot because things still will take weeks um <laughs> you need to pick a course and stick to it until it becomes untenable if that makes sense to you like you don't want to say okay we'll go down this path and then two weeks later oh that didn't work okay now we'll go down that path you've just lost two weeks definitely speaks to why uh planning ahead and even table topping and things like that are so important most definitely. Most definitely. It's have those discussions now, have those meetings now where people are friendly and you've got cool heads. Don't have them when you've got hot heads and everyone's angry at each other. <laughs> definitely. Can you tell us a little bit about what we would commonly see when organizations are hit? Could you kind of walk us through that? Normally, well, obviously it's a very bad day. Um, <laughs> normally it's that, that, that spike in calls to the service desk saying something isn't working properly, something's not right here. I've got this weird thing on my desktop. Everything looks strange. Um, so your service desk melts down and then people um, engage their crisis management plans or their, you know, maybe their business continuity plans, their BCPs, and they get together in a room and they say, what's going on? Everything's broken. Oh, my God, everything's terrible. And there's a fair bit of panic. Um, which is where it comes into place, things like this planning, which is I've got either an internal provider or I've got an external provider to, to call and say, hey, we've had a really bad day. Something's gone wrong here. We've got a ransom note. We, we don't know what to do or we've got a plan that we're enacting and this is part of that plan. Um, and then what we see happening is people turning off internet links, just turning things off because in, in the modern day, a lot of the ransomware is, is sort of, tacked on with um, data exfiltration, so stealing of data, and then putting it up on the internet to say, hey, if you don't pay, we're going to publish this, this data, which is where it's so terrible for healthcare, because the data that they steal is often patient data. The Cybersecurity Inf Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, in America, released a paper last week on a group called Diaxin, which, which they're calling Diaxin, which is specifically targeting healthcare providers. And their specific aim is to steal data and use that to extort the healthcare provider. So customer data and sorry, patient data is increasingly being seen by criminals as a valid target, right? So then what happens is there's a note that says, if you don't, you know, open a communication channel with us, if you don't chat to us and then pay us, we're going to dump this this patient data on the internet, which is a ramping up of pressure, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The ransomware the actual encryption event, if you will, is a pain event, right? They want to cause you and your organization as much pain as possible. But by stealing the data and then extorting you with the, the threat of we're going to you know tell the world what your patients have as a condition or whatever that, that the case may be, the health records, that's a pressure event. They're pushing on you and they're saying, you've got two days to pay before we tell the world all of your patient data, which then, of course, has an impact on share prices, has an impact on customer trust, all of those bad things. So 
once that's happening, if you've at least got that plan in place to say, okay, we're going to engage either a third party or our internal processes, you can start to work the problem. By this stage, unfortunately, they will normally have given you some sort of proof that they've got your patient data. They'll, they'll have sent you like an extract, if you will, of the record saying, well, here's this, this is the server that we stole it from and here's what the data looks like. So you can then confirm internally, maybe if that server hasn't been encrypted, um, but you can maybe confirm internally, yes, this is legitimate data. It looks like they've got it. Oh my God, we've got to start our processes of, you know, trying to figure out what we're going to do about this. And that's when your communications plans start to kick in. And that's where if you've got decent incident management, again, either internally or via a third party, um, you can then start to form a plan around what your messaging is going to be because you've decided up front, this is, this is how we're going to react to this type of event, but we need to still form the words because now it's, it's, it's evolving to us what's been taken and what, they, what they're asking for and what they're going to do to us. That's where you start to form that that, that, that form of words and it's terrible um honestly it's 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 a really bad day because you can confirm that the bad guy has got that data and that they're threatening to to to, to leak it out um on your behalf uh which is terrible so what we often see then is that's where that decision to pay or not pay can change because of you know that that first punch to the head right the the real um, scale of the breach can change where you're sort of sitting as, as an organization. But the problem that we're seeing these days is that even if you pay, you still don't have control of that data. Does that make sense? Yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. The bad guy still has that data. And there's what I like to call the perverted trust um, agreement that we have here with these bad guys, which is if I pay, you'll do what you say you're going to do. Um, and that's a terrible position to be in for an organization because you then have to trust a criminal that they're going to be good to their word. <laughs> and, you know, as having spent about a decade in law enforcement, let me tell you, criminals aren't always good to their word. What will happen is you will almost always get the means to decrypt your systems. That's true, because if it didn't, no one would ever pay, if that makes sense. So they'll, they'll give you the means to decrypt your systems, but then actually physically doing that action and deploying those keys, those encryption keys back to those workstations, that's on you. Mm -hmm. And that's can be one of the hardest parts of this, right? It's like that, that will give you the means to decrypt. That's genuinely what happens. If, if, as I said, if, if they didn't, we'd hear about it a lot, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or straightforward to actually use them. So yeah, it's, it's one of those situations where organizations find themselves in a really bad position and the bad guy has all of the power. Whereas if they spent a little bit of time up front, you know, working on these things we talked about, like visibility and planning and that sort of stuff and decision-making up front, they might not have that bad day to start with. Um, or if they do have that bad day, the recovery might be a little bit easier. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's definitely a serious reality check for a lot of organizations to hear that. Yeah, it's it's just, it's, I I, I have tried a lot to figure out a way to sugarcoat this, if that makes sense, but it's just not possible. It's it's just, it's a really bad day and it's a really bad few weeks. And to, to, to avoid it really does take that upfront planning and, you know, getting in, engaged with things like, you know, IR retainers and stuff like that. So you've got someone to call, you know, finding out who your law enforcement or government contact point is and understanding what you can expect as support from those players. So I would genuinely recommend an IR retainer because it just gives you someone to call. An important part of the plan. Yeah, because 
it's not your expertise. Like you're a healthcare provider, you're an IT shop, you're, you know, you're administering a network. You're not trained and well-experienced incident responders. <laughs> um, so <laughs> you, to, to have someone to call and say, please come and help us, that can be as a really you know, it's, it's it's hard to say comforting because nothing's really comforting in these situations, but it definitely <laughs> is something that gives you somewhere to go. At least there's some reassurance, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that someone's going to come and help me because what we have, at least in my country here in Australia, is we do have government organisations that are, you know, set to help critical infrastructure. I know you do in, in America as well, um, but the level of, of support you can expect varies wildly with what type of, of organisation you are if that makes sense. Like we, we can we can expect, okay, well, they'll, they'll deploy the black helicopters and guys in gas masks will abseil down and start <laughs> doing the response for us, right? But <laughs> the reality can be that they might just send you a pamphlet and say, so you've had a bad day. You know what I mean? It can right. be <laughs> and anything, and anything in between. So understanding what level of support you can expect is, I think, very, very important as part of this planning process. So Alex, if our listeners want to get in touch with you to learn more, where can they go? For me, you can go to secureworks.com. But yeah, please, I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day and I would love to help organizations as much as possible. So please reach out and get in touch. Fantastic. Alex, thank you so much for joining us today and for your insights. And a special thanks to SecureWorks for sponsoring this podcast. Have a terrific rest of your day. 